0: Hey, it's Nathan from the Golden Homers here to tell you about meetupvegas.com. Wanna eat the same quality meats that the great chefs in Las Vegas use? I got the hookup for you. Delivered straight to your front door, meetupvegas.com offers steaks, pork chops, premium chicken breasts, prime rib, you name
1: it. Check out meetupvegas.com and use code Irish10 at checkout to receive $10 off your order. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930 Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. It over, and the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Seconding goal for the Irish after the timeout. Williams right to the right side to the end zone. Look, Lowsnap picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and but Kimberly goes up and gets it and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of The Golden Homers podcast with your host Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach.
0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Nathan Erbach. I'm here with my co-host, Mason Plummer. A lot of interesting and, you know, I guess depending on who you ask, exciting news in the recruiting world. Certainly, like uh, I think our recruiting or I think our title of last week's podcast was like recruiting and transfer portal hysteria. But at least in the Notre Dame world, that probably is more fitting for today's podcast um a lot of just moving parts going on for the most part Notre Dame has their recruiting class locked up but their number one player in the class Peyton Bowen um probably won't end up at Notre Dame I guess we can kind of just shoot it straight he's currently a Notre Dame commit at least by title but we uh we don't expect him probably to end up in the class and then one of their other running backs uh Jaden Lamar uh kind of the same thing We, we expect him to end up uh most likely at Oregon and uh so yeah, some interesting some interesting stuff going on but for the most part really solid Notre Dame class. We'll talk a little bit about the bowl game as well. A couple more portal recruiting news topics that come up. We'll talk about men's basketball um and then a little bit of a 2023 outlook. But Mason, how are
1: you doing today, man? Hey, doing well. Uh yeah, glad to be back recording. Plenty to talk about. A lot's been going on. A lot of uh kind of bad news, but um we'll get to it later, but we are expecting good news later on today. Um, well, I guess today for us, but when you guys are hearing this will be yesterday with Aeneas Williams, uh, the 2024 running back. So that should bring a little bit of good news and what has other, otherwise been across Notre Dame sports, kind of a, a bad week and a half or so. So uh, excited to hopefully celebrate his commitment. I think he's a really talented back, kind of got some Kyron Williams to him. And in terms of t- uh, his size, his running ability is uh, just the way that he acts and performs on the football field reminds me a lot of Karen. They even kind of look similar. So I'm really excited about him. I've been watching his tape today, getting excited about his commitment. So hopefully that all goes smooth and we don't look stupid um, when the podcast is recorded and released.
0: Yeah, and, and same area, uh, you know, from from uh, Missouri. Same thing as uh, as Karen Williams. I'm not sure if you mentioned that, but just adding to it a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. You know, we're expecting some good news on that front. Um, Like you said, a really talented running back in the class of 2024, which is some positive news based on Notre Dame losing Dylan Edwards in 2023 and probably losing Jaden Lamar in 2023 as well, which looked to be this like interesting class of just bringing in a bunch of offensive talent. And that is sort of blowing up in shambles um, to a certain extent. But obviously being able to land a really talented kid in the 2024 class certainly helps soften that blow i think he's down uh i don't know if he ever released a top four um i think he released a top 10 um but it seems to be down to notre dame alabama kentucky and tennessee um, so a lot of obviously yeah. really good really good teams there um tennessee obviously had a really good season this year they're heavily involved in nil specifically and then alabama obviously you know alabama on the on the football field uh, speaks for itself and um, from everything I've heard is it's a kid that Alabama really wants and it's a kid that Notre Dame is probably going to land. So um, just a really good land um, in general, assuming that happens here, I think in the next little over an hour um, as we record.
1: Yeah, super excited for it. And uh, like I said, that hopefully everything does go according to plan or at least what we're hearing so that, uh, so we don't look dumb when this is released, but yeah, especially considering the shakeups on the running back room recently. I think it, it already is a strong running back room, and he just adds to it. So, um, yeah, definitely excited to con- continue to build that strong running back room.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, like last week when we broke or when we when we recorded, I should say, I think Dylan Edwards had already committed to uh, Colorado or at least decommitted from Notre Dame. He's officially in the Colorado. Yep. So the commit. Um, when Marcus Freeman spoke originally, he said he was not expecting any more guys to sort of enter the portal or anything like that, but came Barong, I think, a couple days after that entered. But certainly no surprise there. Uh, I, I know when we recorded last week, I said, I don't like to name names, but he was certainly a kid that I was at least looking out for. Um, the tight end room, especially with Cooper Flanagan coming in um, to, you know, sort of supplement the loss of guys leaving, like Michael Mayer, you know, it's still like, it's still a talented room, but also a crowded room. So, Cambron leaving the class um, or any any of the tight ends, maybe choosing to leave the class or leave leave, the, leave Notre Dame, I should say, um, wouldn't have been that much of a surprise. And Bron dealt with some injuries, didn't get to see the field too much this year, now in his second season at Notre Dame. And uh, I'm sure he'll leave and end up at a pretty good place and he's a talented football player.
1: Yeah, I was always high on his respect ability i think he was a little bit small for a tight end but i thought he was very athletic and it's just too bad when you see a guy that continues to struggle with injuries. You didn't even really get to see him play very much for Notre Dame to see that potential. But Notre Dame tight ends, you know, they recruit the position just about better than anybody and produce them definitely better than anybody in terms of guys into the NFL. So uh, it's kind of a tough spot for him, but it comes with a lot of pedigree. He's a good player, four star recruit. So excited to see where he ends up. I believe you, did you say on Twitter the other day that you think South Carolina could be a potential landing spot or it just makes sense?
0: I just sort of, I mean, South Carolina is close to Georgia. Um, you know, obviously it, it shares a border and they're, they're a school that lost two of their kids, Jaheim Bell to Florida state. And then Austin Sogner also left for uh, Oklahoma. And those were their two top tight ends this year from my understanding, at least. And, you know, specifically Jaheim Bell, a lot of people thought might just go to the NFL draft in general, but ended up uh, transferring instead. So um, just seems like a maybe like a fit for him if he wants to play high level football in the SEC. You know, I think he's worth that from a from a recruiting standpoint and from a talent standpoint. But so far, I mean, I, I know he's been on Twitter reporting a few offers. I think uh, Lance Taylor offered him at Western Michigan. Um, a few other programs have offered him as well. I'm kind of looking it up as I speak right now.
1: Yeah, he could go to Georgia Tech like all the other Notre Dame-Georgia guys that then end up moving on.
0: That was another thing I mentioned the other day. I I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. Um, At least so far, based on Twitter um, interaction, it looks like Pitt has offered him and Western Michigan has offered him. So those are the two schools. I'm sure that there's probably a few other schools that are in contact with him. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at a, a Power 5 program, 100%.
1: Yeah, I think he's good enough for that. Uh, I don't think he's a Mac guy necessarily, but I like the Taylor offer for sure as a guy that knows him.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's exactly what happened is Taylor just has a relationship with the kids that, hey, you can come play here, probably be a starter next year. And I'm sure that's at least appealing in a certain aspect. So, um, want to move on a little bit. Um, was there any other – I don't think there was any other portal entry sense. I mean, Notre Dame did gain a commit. We should talk about that, actually. Notre Dame did gain yeah. a commit in uh, Spencer Schrader. Or, um, I'm sorry, gained a portal commit, just so we're not confusing people. But uh, Spencer Schrader, who was the kicker at University of South Florida for the last four seasons, um, had some quality football in him. I think it was two years ago he was 11 for 12 or 11 for 13, which is solid. He's he's good, essentially, from 40 under and on extra points. Um, This year he was, I think, 9 for 13. But with that said, I've talked to a few people who say that it wasn't always his fault. There were some misses in there that might have been due to bad snaps, bad holds, bad offensive line in general, not giving him enough time. And then just in general, he has a, a strong leg and an accurate leg. And I think he'll be better at Notre Dame simply because of the talent that's around him and uh, have a few guys on campus. We don't know for sure who's on campus outside of Caleb Smith. And I'm not talking about the Texas Tech um, the Texas or the the 2023 recruit who's now committed to Notre Dame, who decommitted from Texas Tech a few weeks back, but Caleb Smith, a wide receiver who was previously at Virginia Tech, he's on campus this weekend, um, and that's I think the only guarantee we have right now. And I know Notre Dame really likes him.
1: Yeah, any Caleb Smiths, just go ahead and give them to me. I'm shooting for five total Caleb Smiths.
0: Yeah, just any receiver named Caleb Smith, bring them over.
1: Yep. I don't <laughs> even care if they're receiver. I just want all of them
0: yeah absolutely and uh, what I can say is we don't know if Hudson cards on campus even though I was duped earlier into thinking that he was for a few seconds here and there
1: yeah those of you that saw that in like that five minute span if you happen to be on Twitter uh, Nathan got duped by a fake Hudson card account which is always fun I thought about not commenting and just letting somebody else but figured I'd get you um yeah yeah that would be maybe. sick if he who was might who know. knows? he might be he might actually be
0: yeah who knows maybe that was a, a fake Hudson card account but from Hudson card sending it to him <laughs> who knows? But, maybe it was um, a fake um, fake
1: account
0: right right exactly I'm not usually the one that gets duped I to check the accounts before I do anything but I saw it on I think I saw it on 24-7 sports so just kind of assumed it was accurate by someone posting it and then I saw it and I was doing some stuff at work on my computer and uh, I usually tweet from my phone and it's so much easier to just like do things on your phone when you can like check a profile in like the matter of seconds instead of having to like go back and forth and different things like that and um it was funny that i i almost deleted the tweet in general because i forgot like a comma or whatever it was and then <laughs> i ended up having to delete it anyway because i didn't want to spread false rumors
1: well good for you i'm glad that uh that we got it all sorted out
0: <laughs> so that's just the world we live in these days so many so many accounts are putting out different things and it's hard to tell who's right and who's wrong unless you're you know sometimes you can be a little too trusting or whatnot but uh right Awesome. Anything more on just portal or recruiting stuff in general? I mean, we're going to talk about recruiting probably mostly in this podcast anyway, but maybe some more positive light stuff, but.
1: Um, as far as the portal, I think, I don't know if we touched on this last week, but um, just get that guys maybe aren't going to enter before the bull game, but there will be, you know, I don't know if there's a dozen, but there will be a good several that enter afterwards. Um, I don't remember if we had discussed that, you know, exactly the reasons as to why, but. I think a lot of people were expecting once the portal opened that there would be about a dozen Notre Dame guys to enter or more, and they there hasn't been that many yet, and no real surprises. So um, we are expecting there to be a handful of names after after the bowl game, but it looks like there won't be any as we head more towards it. At least any that are expected.
0: Right. Well, and my, so this is what I some one thing I mentioned on the space yesterday, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that my numbers are. accurate I guess but I know Notre Dame is sort of around that 90 to 92 range right now in scholarships which puts them about you know seven over (laughs) if it's 92 Um, and that includes the incoming players right now it it does include guys like Peyton Bowen and Jaden Lamar so if they end up bolting the class and that comes down a little bit but then we're also expecting Notre Dame to get you know probably five or six transfers I would say and you know, that puts them at what 95ish 96 and then that means you have to probably have another 10 to 11 guys leave just to uh and like that could be commits that could be players in the portal and so on and so forth so there's definitely going to be some 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 moving around um with guys that are either committed to Notre Dame or um or in the program already and it's just kind of like yeah so there's going to be some kids for sure and like you said there might there might not be a whole lot of surprises. I'm sure that there might be one or two and, you know, maybe a Camberon, for example, was a surprise to some simply because he's younger. You know, may, there were probably people out there that thought a guy like Kevin Bauman might move on instead of a Camberon. But, you know, we're, it, it was kind of going back to what I said with the whole tight end situation. There was just a kind of a crowded room. So we expected at least a tight end to leave. And I'm probably not expecting any more tight ends to leave with Camberon. Uh, making that decision um, early on. And I think the other important part, and Mason definitely um, add on to this when after, I, after I'm i done with my spiel here, but this does, this isn't just a this year thing, but for the most part, I think Notre Dame does a pretty good job of not having kids leave the program that are impactful at the time that they leave. So, yes, there have been kids that have left and they end up being good players somewhere else, but it's usually at a program that's worse um, or comparable, and they just have a you know maybe a better depth chart for the kids. So, like for example, Ovia Gofu, I think he's been a solid player for Texas, but he just wasn't really getting on the field at Notre Dame. Obviously, Texas is a good program; they recruit really well, and you know he goes there and he makes more of an impact because of their depth chart. So, the, I think that's where a healthy program comes in. Notre Dame is a program right now that's not going to lose kids. Like for example, of Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer wasn't going to go on the portal last year. To go play for Alabama he wanted to stay at Notre Dame so they're they're losing kids that either have to go down a level um, because they're just not going to see the field ever either power five or lower power five whatever um, or just kids that aren't seeing the field right now and, and want to see it so they're not losing start or starters and and uh, impactful players which I think is a important thing and, and it shows a healthy program.
1: Well, yeah, and I think people sometimes get thrown off by a guy like Cam Barong. Like, he was so young, we haven't even got to see him yet. But at the same time, if you look at the writing on the wall with how good Stays has looked and how much he played, and Eli Raritan was getting more and more playing time until his ACL tear. So that's two freshmen that already passed up Barong. And, of course, it's it's unfortunate that he had an ACL tear himself. But, you, I mean, you can't argue against Stays and Raritan already being better on top of Evans Bauman I mean there was the writing was on the wall for for Barong or Bauman to go and I, I think it makes a lot of sense looking back
0: yeah no absolutely absolutely so but I think it just show, like I said it just shows a healthy program overall
1: yeah uh, I mean, positive attrition guys,
0: right exactly the guys that have left so far I mean some of them are I mean obviously Drew Pine had a pretty good year at Notre Dame this year but there was an expectation and Marcus Freeman was honest with him about how they were going to look into the portal for a possible QB starter or at least someone with competition. And, you know, Drew Pine didn't want to probably have to go through another competition. And all the power to him he's probably going to end up at a power five school or equivalent. Um, I mean, I know we visited BYU, I think, either this weekend or this past weekend um so he's going to probably end up somewhere good and probably somewhere he's going to be able to start and you know a guy like Jaden bellamy just committed to, to syracuse i'm not saying syracuse is a power five program it's closer to home it's maybe a program that he can start at or be a contributor next year when he wasn't going to be that at Notre Dame. um who else committed joe wilkins miami of ohio i mean he's a guy that's you know now going into his sixth year in college and you know just wasn't working out at the power five level and so he goes to miami of ohio and you know who knows maybe he'll be there one or two um, Which is, you know, he's going
1: to torch Ball State. I'll tell you that probably twice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. So it just, I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm bringing up almost every example there is at least for this year. But you know, it's I think it's good for those guys because they want to play. They, they want to play football, and you know, a lot of them have their as Notre they should.
1: Dame. That makes right. Yeah, exactly.
0: And some of them have their Notre Dame degree. Some of them don't, but at least they can go get a good degree and play football somewhere else.
1: So I think the guy that people people are most intrigued about is. Pine I mean it was expected, but the way that he went without his degree, where do, where is your best guess as to where he lands? I mean BYU is an obvious top runner here considering he visited them. Yeah. Um where is your uh where's your head telling you he's gonna end up getting closer to home or a place like BYU or just the best program available?
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, man, I wasn't expecting BYU when I heard it. And I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, he grew up a Catholic kid from the from the East coast and, right. um, you know, probably, you know, has, you know, some different beliefs and so on and so forth, but, you know, BYU is a good football program. I mean, they're a power five school. That's not technically power five, in my opinion, and at least in the way that they play, um, not necessarily in the way that they recruit, but a lot of their kids are older after going on a two-year mission. And, you know, so when you have 20, 23 and 24 year olds that are, you know, juniors or something like that, um, you know, those are men versus, you know, 18 year old boys. And so, you know, that's, I think that'd be a good program for him. It probably shows that some of his values when it comes to maybe being at a, you know, a Christian university and, or a private university, some somewhere with good education. So, you know, maybe you think of a school like Northwestern, that'd probably be a good fit for him. Um, ironically enough, Boston college would probably be a good fit for him. I'm not sure what their quarterback situation's like. I, I think they like their backup uh, a little bit. That was, you know, in place of Phil, Phil Djokovic earlier this season um you know I know some people throughout schools like UConn and and so on and so forth like that I'm not sure he should go that far down and that's not necessarily an insult to UConn I know they had a pretty good season this year um but you know I think he can be at a school like BYU or be at a school like Northwestern or Boston College and you know have some success so that's kind of what I'm expecting.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's good for – that'd be good for Pine. I think this was – I tweeted out when this happened that it's a win-win and I got a ton of crap for it, but it's a win for Pine. He gets to move on and play – continue playing football and not potentially lose the starting job as he should at Notre Dame. And it's a win for Notre Dame and clearing out the um, <clears throat> the quarterback room, eliminating a guy that ideally you don't really want to be the starter, and then you're giving another free run at Tyler Buckner, a transfer, Jelly and Minchie all – Gunning for the spot, so um, I to me I still think it's a win-win. People tend to not think that, but I mean it is what it is. I think it's good for both sides.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I I don't think calling it a win, um, you know, like a win-win scenario is something that's completely off-base thing. It's fair. I mean, it's obviously a win-win scenario, at least in Notre Dame's viewpoint, because Marcus Freeman essentially told him like, "Hey, you're gonna have to battle for the job, or we're gonna bring in a guy that we feel is better than you." And Drew Pine obviously felt that that wasn't the case for him, and wants to go and be either a guaranteed starter or at least more of a um, some somewhere where he feels like he can win the job at least easier or something like that. So obviously they both felt it was win-win. So I mean, I think that's really the only thing that matters um, in the grand scheme of things. But Mason, I want to talk to you about another thing I brought into space the other day, and I thought it was an interesting topic, but there's a lot of stuff going around right now with like the fact that Notre Dame could lose Peyton Bowen, the fact that they might lose Jaden Lamar, the fact that they've, you know, already lost Keon Keely, Dylan Edwards, Dante Moore is a silent, you know, commit if you want to believe that. And, you know, and probably lost on a few a few other guys because of, you know, outside situations. But what's your take? Um, and I, I have a feeling it might be different here. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. Um, what's your take on this class as a whole assuming a guy like Bowen and assuming Jaden Lamar aren't in the class
1: I think it's okay to say that this class is very talented I think it's a better class than the traditional BK class mm-hmm. but I think it's also okay to say you're a little bit disappointed um, based on what it could have been I think um, I think it's okay to have like realistic expectations and not assume Notre Dame's going to sign three five stars in a class because when has that ever happened but there was a legitimate shot and it looked like for a long time that they were going to sign two or three and there's guys that you could argue are, are five stars and it's not even including a guy like Jagasaw who is rated as a, a five star I believe on rivals but not on others or, or maybe on three, he was but, on three. Um, <laughs> regardless on three okay but regardless I think it is a, it's a super talented class. It's a class that I think upgrades Notre Dame. It's a better class than normal. But I, I definitely think there's something left to be desired with the guys that you lost, the Dante Morris, Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen. That's three guys at the, the top of their positions. That's three of the top 15, 20 players in the entire class. So um, I i don't really know how to put it, put it in words, really, because I am happy with it. But it, I know that it could have been so much more. And I think it's frustrating that we don't get to see Marcus Freeman re- recruit pre NIL.
0: Right. yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think we're maybe more on more on tar than, than maybe I originally thought. But I think a lot. Where did you of,
1: think I was going to fall?
0: I think. Well, I think it's just that me, maybe me and you agree more that on the fact that yeah, it's frustrating, but we agree on the fr- on why it's frustrating. It's not because it's a lack of effort by the recruit by the you know by the staff you know the fact that Dante Morris right. Lee, and Bowen were committed at one point a lot of people are like okay well they didn't close well and we have friends and other people that that say those kind of things that you know they just they didn't close well and I, I'm just not sure if that's an accurate interpretation of what's going on um, And and I completely agree with you that while it's on par, like when you take out Bowen and Lamar specifically now, it's more on par with like the top of the top Kelly classes. So people are going to say, okay, well, they're just kind of doing the norm based on what they've been doing the last few years. Um, I still think it's better partly because I'm higher on some of the kids in this class than maybe some others are. I mean, I think there's a speed element in this class. They obviously figured out the wide receiver position in this class when they've you know, kind of failed to do that in other classes um, in, in the previous regime. I think the other thing that was important, and this kind of goes back to, you know, what I say about them not really being outworked, you know, the fact that they didn't just wait for Bowen to decommit to have like his replacements or other guys in the class. So you have like a guy like a Don, Don Schuler who I think actually was committed maybe before Bowen, if I'm not mistaken, or at least around the same time. And they were going to take both of them regardless. But then when – but then, you know, like, what was it, halfway through the, you know, the 2023 cycle, they decide they really like Ben Minich. And instead of just saying, well, we have Bowen and Nadon Schuler Shuler committed, we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to actually offer this kid and accept his, you know, accept his commitment if he wants to come in. So then they have Ben Minich. And then you bring in another guy who they found even after Ben Minich or at least offered after Ben Minich and Brandon Hillman who maybe plays safety, maybe doesn't, but I think has a very good opportunity to at least start out there. And all of a sudden you lose Bowen, you might still have three commits at safety and three four-star commits at safety. So not just guys that they took a flyer on that, you know, only have Mac level offers and, you know, Notre Dame kind of has pounded the table for them. Like, no, you go look at the offers that Schuler has racked up, Ben Minich has racked up. You know, and Brandon Hillman racked up specifically in the last couple months, and it's pretty impressive, even without Bowens.
1: Yeah, no, it's better, it's better in positions that the BK classes traditionally weren't good at. And there's a lot you're right, there's a lot of guys that I'm definitely higher on, like the Christian Grays of the world that I think can be day one contributors. So um, I think a lot of the Kelly guys, like the three stars that you were that you were seeing in those classes, they were long-term guys or just guys that didn't work out at all. And you're seeing just this absurd amount of four stars in this class. And a lot of times there isn't a huge difference in three and four stars, but these are some top ranked guys. Like a ton of this class is ranked in the top 247, which is crucial. So um, you're not seeing, you know, the seven or eight three stars in a class anymore. So I think this class is an upgrade. And it's definitely, it would be one of the top two or three Brian Kelly classes. So it's only going to go upwards from here. I'd imagine with Freeman, I think we're going to still see some warts with NIL until we get it all or they get it all figured out. Uh, you'd hope there's some sort of resolution to that because I really do think and I, I still think about how how good this class could be if it wasn't for NIL. But I mean, it is it's the way it is now. I mean, there's no reason to play ifs and buts now. But um, it just it is frustrating because there's genuine interest in really really talented guys to come to Notre Dame. But um, when you know uh, I don't want to throw out numbers, but when six or seven figures are being thrown out on the table. And in, in terms of NIL deals for a guy to come to your school, I mean, how do you how do you turn that down? It makes a tough decision for a kid too.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm going to do a little experiment here just to kind of give people an idea of what Notre Dame's getting in their class. Um, because everybody always wants to talk about how, like, Notre Dame flips kids from programs, but, like, never flips them from Alabama and different things like that. And that's just real. I mean, in reality, like, not many programs are flipping kids from equal or better schools. They're usually flipping them from schools that are – considered a downgrade and that's why the kid wants to go to the school that is now you know that they're now going to for the most part I should say and and with that said that that means other programs are probably after these kids as well so I'm going to take Bowen out of this and Lamar out of this just to kind of to to be fair here but um I'm going to name every single guy in the class and who their second option most likely was or at least someone that was very much in it and Mason feel free to add on as well but I have a pretty good list here. So just going down, you got uh, Charles Jagasoff committed to Notre Dame over Michigan. Jeremiah Love, Texas a and A lot of people think Michigan was heavily involved as well. Um, Christian Gray, LSU. Drake Bowen, Clemson. Uh, Braylon James, I'm not 100% sure if we've had like someone that was a legit second option, but if you go down the list of schools that he had offers from, I mean, you had Baylor, Florida, Georgia, you know, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, you know, Stanford, if you want to go from an academic standpoint, Tennessee, Texas. So um, maybe it was Texas because he's a Texas kid, but, uh, uh, you know, just, re- you know, a really good, you know, a lot of really good programs were in on him. i Brennan Vernon, Ohio State. Don't believe, that Ohio, don't believe the Ohio State fans that said they didn't want him. I fully believe they would have accepted his commitment. Jaden Greathouse, I put down Oklahoma, but I think as the time went on, it was probably going to be more like Texas. Um, Micah Bell, at the time that he committed to Notre Dame, he didn't have a Georgia offer, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Georgia probably finished second for him with the late offer. Um, you know, they tried to appeal to him, and he essentially said no. Uh, Traor, probably Boston College, um, but I still I think he's a kid that, you know, had more other programs in on him, and he essentially said, nope, I'm flipping once, and it's going to be the Notre Dame. Jay Nosberry, obviously stolen out of LSU's backyard. Absher was also Clemson. Rico Flores, I mean, we could probably say Ohio State, but there's probably some less schools there as well. Ohio State might have filled up, so that that one's a little bit more tricky. Devin Houston, Michigan. Cooper Flanagan, Alabama, and that was something that was even more recent. Alabama has been trying to flip him essentially the entire time he's been in committed. Don Schuller is similar to Micah Bell where he got the Ohio State offer, you know, later in the process, but that was the school he probably finished second for. Minich might be the only guy that the Power Five offer wasn't his second choice. I wrote down Cincinnati. I'm not 100% sure what his second choice would have been. I don't know if you know Mason. Um, Pendleton also no. seen Um auding was Iowa, which is obviously a great school when it comes to producing offensive linemen. zinter was Michigan and Mukum was Stanford. Um and then you have a few other guys like Hillman and obviously Kenny mentioned flipped from Pitt. Um, so that's one there. Not exactly sure who finished second for Hillman. I mean, I know Kentucky was in his final group, USC was in his final group. Um, obviously, Caleb Smith looked from Texas Tech and noted know that other schools were trying to flip him and he just said no. And then Christopher Turek looked from Wisconsin. So there's not a lot of, like, they're not just taking kids that only lower power five schools want. And that's kind of really what I'm getting at on that with.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's important to note. And then you look at uh, schools that are in the college football playoff, like Michigan, how many – Michigan commits hold Notre Dame offers, Nathan?
0: Uh, zero, actually.
1: Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I think that's and important actually, to note. And, and...
0: I'm not sure if anything has changed since since the last time I kind of looked it up, but last time I looked it up, they also had zero kids that held Ohio State offers. So, their two biggest rivals, arguably speaking, um, do not have offers out to any of the kids that are, at, are committed to
1: Michigan right now. Despite their two most – Successful seasons in a long time.
0: Yeah, which you know, kudos to them. They're 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 producing on the field. They're making the college football playoffs. They're probably going to make the national championship this year. You know, I think they've hit the portal pretty well. I think two of the top ten guys that are at least on twenty four seven sports list of portal entries are committed to Michigan. So maybe they'll supplement some of the lack of recruiting with the portal. You know, which is good for them. I, I don't think they're going anywhere in terms of being a bad football program, but it does say a lot, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree for sure.
0: I want to jump to, uh, let's jump to uh, just a little bit more in Notre Dame, South Carolina, and then we can get out of here.
1: Yeah, sounds good. I think we, we've kind of touched on the the Notre Dame opt-outs. There's a handful of South Carolina opt-outs. I'm not going to act like I know the names off the top of my head, but some key guys there, so it's not like Notre Dame is going to be super shorthanded. I think both teams are a little bit, but, Good opportunity to see young guys on both squads, and overall, I'm excited about the game for sure. Last time I checked, the line was Notre Dame minus four and a half. Kind of an interesting line there.
0: Yeah, especially with especially with South Carolina still having their quarterback Spencer Rattler playing. Um, But it is interesting because I I, and I will name some names or at least some positions that I know they've lost. I I, we mentioned their two tight ends; they lost theirs. They lost both Jacoby Bell and Austin Stogner. They lost their top running back. I think his name's Marshawn Lloyd, if I'm not mistaken, but he is he also entered the transfer portal, top running back. They lost their top player overall, Cam Smith, who's projected to be a first or second round pick at the corner. So they, I mean, I know I know Notre Dame has their two top guys in there in Bosky that are not playing, and then obviously their starting quarterback in Drew Pine. So I think that's why some people might find the line interesting that you know Notre Dame uses their their starting quarterback and their top two players and they're still favored, but I think the line kind of sees it as, okay, well Notre Dame has their quarterback that was supposed to start the entire season and Tyler Buckner now healthy and playing. And then South Carolina lost a lot of their offensive talent. Like I said, specifically their two top tight ends and their top running back. I'm not sure if they have a receiver that, that that left or anything like that. I'm sure we could probably find that out if we needed to, but there's there's an argument to be had that they lost more of their talent that makes them actually successful or made them very very good the last two two games when they beat Clemson and they beat Tennessee but um I think we talked about this on the podcast last week that Notre Dame should be able to bowl them on both sides of the football when it comes to the offense and defensive line
1: yeah that's kind of what I expect in this game it's just a matter of being able to find the right solutions offensively, whether it's Buckner and Jelly, whatever. Either way, it's a guy that doesn't have much experience at quarterback, and then you don't have your safety blanket in Michael Mayer anymore. So, are you able to get guys prepared in this time span between, uh, um, I'm sorry, USC and the other USC, South Carolina? Um, are you able to find enough offensively outside of the running game to be able to to kind of supplement the, your already strong running game? Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm gonna wrap things up here just because we have about two 230 left here before uh before we have to reach them okay. here. But um I don't I, w- I know we wanted to get a podcast to you guys this week just with everything going on specifically around the recruiting world. Um, we try to get you guys something every week. Obviously stuff gets in the way sometimes but obviously it's mine and Neus Williams is supposed to be announcing this commitment here like I said the next 40 minutes or so. We we expect that to be Notre Dame. And we'll we'll certainly talk a little bit more about the kid next week, assuming he's in Notre Dame's class. And if he's not in Notre Dame's class, we'll obviously inform you guys of that as well. Cause that would be a huge loss, I think, for the 2024 class. Next time we next time we talk, we'll probably be after signing day. So we can definitely break down the class as a whole. Maybe they get a surprise or two, maybe they keep Bo and maybe they keep Lamar, who knows? But we don't expect those two guys in the class as of right now. So we'll we'll certainly break that down for you guys next week and then. Um, as we get a little bit closer, we have what, 14 days until the bowl game. Um, probably either next week or right before the bowl game, we'll try to get you guys a little bit more in depth. I'm actually talking to a South Carolina fan as we speak. Um, He's part of the new, we shouldn't, I didn't even get to mention this, but the new, uh, the fanboys um, with the Winning Edge Sports Network. We, we're we're collaborating with them with some stuff with them. They're bringing on a South Carolina guy. We'll try to get him on the podcast just to get some some different perspective from from their side of things. So um, anything to wrap up with, Mason, outside of that?
1: Not a whole lot. Just excited about Aeneas. Um, Hope for some good news here in the portal. Um, Excited for these next two weeks of news heading to the game. But other than that, go Irish.
0: Yep, absolutely. And make sure to follow Golden Homers. Make sure to follow Mason at MasonPlumber underscore, myself at Nathan underscore Erbach. And uh, tune into the Golden Homers whenever you can. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.